Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money. And for our music chat today, we're chatting with the dreamers. Hey there, thanks for joining us for Millennial Money Music, uh, where we try to bring you some of the best bands, upcoming bands, bands you just definitely want to discover. And one of the bands that I've discovered recently uh, that I hear a lot of times on, uh, I hear them all the time, on Sirius Alt Nation Radio is the band The Dreamers. So I we had an opportunity to sit down and talk with them. Uh, we talked with them via Skype. 
uh, frontman Nick Wold um, from his Houston, while he was on the road, his Houston hotel, uh, he joined us. And it's a band that um, blends a really a lot of different indie pop, indie rock, and even elements of jazz. So they're a really cool uh, band to check out. So enjoy our conversation with Nick Wold, frontman of the band Dreamers. So uh, tell us a little bit uh, how uh, your career's gone so far. Tell us about the band and where you guys are today. Yeah, so um, we started the band, I guess, about two years ago now, a little, a little over two years uh, in Brooklyn. We had, uh, I had, we had all been in other bands before. I was in a band that kind of broke up, and I was writing a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, in Brooklyn, living in my practice space, just working one day a week uh, and kind of getting serious, not knowing what it was going to become. Uh, and we, we met uh, Nelson that way, who's the bass player. We wanted to record some stuff. Uh, recorded what was going to be a whole album, ended up being our, our first EP, the Dreamers EP, uh, that we put out on our own and ended up getting a lot of love from Alt Nation, uh, Sirius Radio, and uh, kind of just got started that way. Started touring. We did a kind of a dream tour. We got picked to open up for Stone Temple Pilots for like a month, um, who are some heroes of ours. And uh, kind of took it from there. And, and eventually signed a record deal in uh, California. And we moved to LA last year to record what uh, ended up being our first full length album, which is uh, this album does not exist, which just came out. A couple months ago, right, right, um, yeah, that's 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 great. I uh, open for STP. Yeah. That's a pretty good uh, start yeah. there. I like that. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, so, so you guys are all in LA now. Yes, we are. And uh, Jacob, our third guy, we actually met him when we moved to LA. That's the drummer. He's he's from California. Okay, gotcha. Where, where are you and, from? Yeah, and we're we're actually touring almost all the time, and we just get to go back to LA for like a couple of weeks at a time. Well, it's a great place to be. We miss New York, but LA is a great place to be. Are you are you uh, from, are you from New York? No, uh, I lived there the last ten years, but mm-hmm. I grew up in Seattle. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, cool, cool. How so? Yeah. How do how do you like LA? Uh, it's been really awesome, man. Um, like. I really identify kind of as a New Yorker, but I never thought I'd move to LA, but then <laughs> here we are. And, uh, it's actually been incredible. It's like, uh, you know, it's more affordable. It's sunny every day. And there seems to be a lot going on right now for like music. And it seems like all the people I know from New York are, are coming over, you right. know? Right, right, right. It's, it, well, it's it just makes a lot of sense. It's a good vibe. Right. It's funny that you say it's actually affordable because we're from Los Angeles and it's pretty high price except for New York. Yeah. So, Exactly. Yeah, living in New York is just—it makes anything seem uh, <laughs> seem cheap. Right. It's insane there. Like the last, yeah, the last like I forget it was six months to a year. I lived there. I lived in my practice space. I was just roughing it. Right. Right. I I, I kind of read that on your on your Facebook page. Yeah. Um. So, uh, how how did when did you discover you wanted to become a singer? Um. I suppose at some point um, in college, I uh, I grown up being being a saxophone player, and I was really serious about saxophone. And I learned jazz. And I went to NYU for jazz, but then became kind of disillusioned with that world, and and wanted to get back to like my roots musically, which is like rock and 
deciding that I wanted to form a rock band. So I guess that was about then that I did that I made that decision. Nice, nice. Uh, what what did you end up getting your degree in? I got a degree in playing songs. <laughs> playing songs. It's uh, yes, it's uh, very <laughs> valuable in the workplace. No, it's not. But uh, it was a bachelor <laughs> of music from NYU. Yeah. Yeah. Which was valuable in some ways because it's strange, like all the people that I, a lot of the people that I still know and work with, I met there and it got me to New York, which is what started me on this whole thing. So, right, right. So, how did you guys end up uh, forming uh, Dreamers then? It was really just uh, one at a time. We found Nelson, uh, me and the, our manager, Ari, who had managed my previous band. Uh, we were kind of just trying to start anew, and we found Nelson just by reaching out, looking for bass players. And uh, it worked out that he was in the perfect kind of place in his life where he was looking for a new project. And uh, same with Nelson. We had had another drummer who I had played with for years, but who wasn't, wasn't you know, wanting to continue the touring life and all that stuff. So we had like a month off tour when we were in California to find a new drummer. And uh, we found Jacob really fast. We auditioned like eight guys. And he was a no-brainer choice. And what what was the idea about uh, Dreamers and the name and everything? Yeah, so Dreamers is uh, kind of just what we think is like the role of the artist in the world is like to be the person who thinks and dreams and uh, has time to think ahead and all that stuff. Or like the, That's what we aspire to be anyways. So we wanted to say something about that. And also, I had a lot of lyrics about sleep and dreams, and I like the double meaning of uh, dreams being things you aspire to, but also just being a crazy psychedelic, you know, mind trip that you have every night. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, a lot in it for us. Right, felt strong. Right, right. Uh, yeah, Shauna here always has lots of wild, vivid dreams. So nice. <laughs> I always have too. <laughs> yeah, it's like those ones that you wake up and it's like, wait. <laughs> Did I actually live this? Did I yeah. not? Like, what in the world is going on in my subconscious? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, you like crazy things, weird so, things. So, so your new album, uh, this album does not exist. Uh, was, it was recently released. Uh, what's the inspiration yeah. of, of the title? And tell us a bit, bit about how what the album is about. Yeah, so that's another. That was another idea we had. We. We like to talk about philosophy and weird existential stuff all the time, so it was just kind of really a, a play on that. Um, and it was also a kind of a thing where we had, like, for a really long time been wanting to put out an album, and we never had, so we, were, we started as a joke, whether we, we didn't know if the album was ever going to come out or not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's really just kind of a, an idea about existence and realizing that things don't always that nothing exists the way you think it does usually. Right. Right. So your first EP, you guys self-released that, but then this one, you got a, a record deal actually. Yeah. And so we put out our second EP, which is the you are here EP mm-hmm. on the label. And then the, this album, which is our first on the label. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so I read, uh, on your Facebook page there that you wrote more than a hundred songs before, before this, you got put this album together. So why so many songs, yeah. and, and what's your what's your writing process? Yeah, for me, um, for me, just so many songs because I feel like that's how long it took me to kind of get a hang of it or kind of figure out my voice or what I wanted to say. 
uh, a lot of times with writing, like my first songs were almost good, and then I couldn't quite figure out how to do it, and sounded a lot more derivative of like my influences. And yeah, I think it just takes it takes a while. Definitely took me a while. Uh, and oh, what was the other part of the question? Like you, What's my tell, writing process? Yeah, your, your writing process. Like, kind of what what inspires you, and what do you think about? Yeah, um, I found as far as process goes, I found I've tried everything from like being drunk, writing in the middle of the night, being high, being. I found that being totally sober and starting early in the day and just sitting down and forcing myself to finish something is the best is the, the best way for me. Um, and I draw from moments where I may be not so sober or hardworking and just thinking about life and dreams and. And also just great rock music, you know, from 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s that we that we love. We try to kind of hodgepodge into our own thing. Right, right. I was drawn to the to the quote you had on uh, Facebook that uh, they seeked to counter the crassness of pop, the snobbery of jazz, and the pretension of indie that zaps the fun out of music uh, with, with or out of music with meaning. Uh, can you expand on yeah. that that idea? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so like I was saying, I got totally disillusioned with like the jazz world as it is today. A lot of my favorite jazz came from like the '50s and '60s, and I think feel like it had a a lot more sort of spiritual weight then. Then a lot of it does now. A lot of it, and there's still a lot of great jazz now, but a lot of it seems like to me it seemed to me like sort of a talent show, or kind of a soulless kind of a thing. So. You know, and also like pop, a lot of pop is is totally kind of empty. I think of expression and of heart, uh, and it's just kind of you know packaged Kmart stuff. Uh, and then, yeah, a lot of indie tries too hard to be anti-pop. I think. So I don't know. It, we we just kind of always found uh, some things that we thought were really great and really true and a lot of music that wasn't and we just wanted to try to strive to fight for the first one and try to create more of that right so so have like you know catchy and danceable tunes but yet you know they're deeper meaning than you know just picking up a chick in a bar or something like that yeah exactly right right Uh, i guess it's like finding a balance right between death and also just funness we like stuff that's also fun we like pop good pop you know right what but, um, yeah, but, what uh, so who who were your influences uh, growing up then? Yeah, I I well biggest influence probably for all of us is the Beatles. We all grew up on the Beatles. Um, that's a common one. But uh, also growing up in Seattle, I was huge into Nirvana. Nirvana was like the the shit. Um, and as I grew older, I realized that it really was the shit, and it wasn't just because I was into it. Um. That's one example, one thing that we kind of draw from a lot. Uh, more so just in like the ethos. They had an ethos of like they love crazy punk rock and socially conscious music, but they also wanted to make it sound like pop and sound big and sound, uh, you know, listenable. So that kind of ethos is a big influence. Right. right. But, uh, yeah, we also love like a lot of stuff from the 70s, like Iggy and the Stooges and david bowie and yeah just all kind of stuff like that man. i don't know 
<laughs> no, the, I, the, those are all, all some of my favorites too. Um, and like, awesome. like, like Nirvana and like Pearl Jam stuff like that. Those are like mm-hmm. uh, local bands for you guys growing up in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, that's totally the soundtrack of <laughs> right. me right. being a kid. I had an older sister who like was more hip to it because she was old enough. Uh-huh. She kind of showed me right that right. stuff. Right, so, right, exactly. Yeah, my yeah, my uncles mm-hmm. were like the huge like Bowie fans, Zeppelin and all that kind of stuff like this. So they got me into all that kind nice. of stuff. So yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, so this, this new, uh, your, um, your single and stuff like that off the new album, it's playing a lot on, uh, on indie radio and stuff, uh, on, on, uh, yeah. serious radio and stuff. I actually heard it before they emailed me and said, Oh yeah, I've, I've actually heard these guys on alt radio. Uh, so how's that, uh-huh. been, how's that been going? And have you noticed, you know, uh, people knowing the songs while you're traveling on the road? Yeah, we definitely have, which is awesome. Because, uh, you know, Wolves, our first song, that got a good amount of traction, and we've seen people recognize that. And then we've had all these other songs. It was great to finally put out the album, and on this tour is the first one where we're seeing people really start to know the new songs. Um, so that's been cool. Yeah, and radio is kind of like a mountain, a big mountain to climb, and we've been kind of slowly chipping away at it. And now sweet disaster is like our third song that's gone to radio and it's like doing a little bit better than the other ones so and and we definitely see the impact like in some towns we've never been played on the radio we'll see that no one knows who we are and then other towns where they pump it up you just see the reaction is totally different and uh people come out and yeah so we're just kind of uh crossing our fingers and doing the best we can and hitting every city we can again and again and just kind of keeping that going yeah i mean i i love listening to serious i'm like addicted to serious radio because i i discover so many different bands that you don't hear on regular radio yeah yeah them being like a subscription model they can take risks in ways that the commercial stations can't yeah and uh yeah so they definitely they definitely stepped out and took a chance on us in the beginning which is awesome they've been uh, big supporters ever since What's uh, uh, what's your favorite part about playing live? Mm. Um, favorite part about playing live? I don't know. We love meeting. We love meeting people. Just like kind of all the weird, different, crazy people we meet. Uh, it's cool to meet people who have heard our music because most of our careers it was spent kind of just in our rooms writing music and wondering if anyone cares. And then when people do, it's kind of fun. It's fun to be around it. We're we're really getting into this swing of traveling together. I think we're a good group. Unlike us, some other bands we've been in before, like we get along and we have this a like-minded sort of purpose to the point where we get used to being on the road. And when we get back, we're sitting at home, we get antsy. We want to get back out. Right. So I don't know. It feels good. Good to travel and to move. Right. Right. And I think it's also important to, to get along because I mean, you could have a lot of strife yeah. in bands so easy to have strife in bands, but it, it really, you, you really, I think, become successful when you actually can at least get along, whether it's professionally or just be friends, too. So, Totally agree. Yeah, it took a while for us, actually, to find, I think, the, the right team, the right group that where we all just want the same thing and everybody's working hard and all that stuff. Everybody gets along. Right, right. Uh, do you have any rituals before you go on stage? We've... We almost always hug each other right before we go on stage. I think it's kind of a, that's our process of forgetting about everything that might 
uh, be worrying us or pissing us off and then just being like, oh yeah, this is our time to just exist and transcend all that and just have fun really. Right. So right. I think when we, we hug, all hug each other and that dispels that. <laughs> and <laughs> how, uh, how do you describe your sound and how is it different than other stuff that's on the radio these days? Yeah, that's a tough question. We try not to describe our sound too much. We let other people describe it. But uh, we definitely identify as like rock, rock and roll, um, which I think a lot of the alt bands aren't necessarily as much. Though we're, you know, we like that too. I think we just think of ourselves more as kind of like the power trio rock alt band. Um, when I was a kid, alt meant rock rock and roll and nowadays it doesn't necessarily mean that at all right there, there, and there are a lot of alt bands that i like i go okay i can but seriously like rock is is almost like kind of dying out yeah it doesn't have to be rock at all to be all it can be total synth pop or you know anything uh it could be piano ballads you know whatever <laughs> right 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 exactly Just any pop that's not you know that doesn't fit into the top 40 category. Right. I mean, you guys do seem like you have a good mix of kind of everything you described of, of, you know, jazz and, 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 you know, indie and, and pop and stuff. So awesome. Well, I hope so. I appreciate that. (laughs) Absolutely. So like, how does your life, you know, change as a musician once you get a record deal, do you actually notice much of a change or, um, is it dramatic? Um, it was dramatic for us, partly because we moved uh, to a new city, um, and we got to go into Sound City and record our album, which is this really legendary studio. A lot of our favorite records have been made there, like Nirvana and um, you know Neil Young and all this uh, Fleetwood Mac, all this stuff. Um, so that was pretty dramatic, but I think it totally depends on the record deal, because I've seen, I've known a lot of people. Have, gotten all different kinds of record deals and some some can be nightmares some can be the label can be not really involved at all and sometimes they're too involved and it's just everything under the sun so i think we were pretty lucky that we got a situation where the label had kind of a like mind with us and they didn't want to change us artistically they just kind of wanted to help so um and they gave us a lot of attention so that's that's been really good but i think yeah it totally depends on the deal and it doesn't necessarily get you anywhere. It just gives you kind of a, a, a bank and some resources and a, a, a team of people who are trying to help you out. So it's, it's huge, but it doesn't necessarily get you a hit or anything. <laughs> so like, what are the, what are the realities of being a musician? Like your journey, you know, kind of like the money hurdles and, and even entrepreneurial hurdles that you kind of have to overcome you know, to be quote unquote successful. What does that journey look like? Yeah, it's definitely a journey, scratching and clawing. Like in the beginning, we did Kickstarter. We did a couple of Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, we, you know, we're working part time jobs and just dumping everything into it, and that's always tough. The having the, a good record deal again is like that's massive in that way. That's just really um, what it was. Like that was the first time we were able to not work jobs and just do music which is obviously massive um it definitely takes money to takes a certain amount of money to get something like this off the ground i mean just from living to the cost of recording and the cost of touring 
Right, exactly. So, yeah, so some kind of investment is essential, I think. What kind of advice would you give to anybody listening who, you know, has a passion, has a dream like you've had, you know, basically your whole life? And, you know, is either nervous to kind of take the leap or, you know, maybe money's kind of like a stumbling block. What kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, I'd say if you're, I don't know, if I think if you're willing to work really hard and know that it's not going to be a vacation and you still, still seems attractive to you, then that already puts you above, uh, you know, like 90% of the field. And uh, that's kind of the bottom line. The more bands we meet who are just killing it, are the more we notice they're just really professional. They're not partiers usually. Like we just, we opened up for uh, ex ambassadors on a little tour, and they were all just like super serious, doing yoga, smart, professional. <laughs> um, so I feel like in this day and age, especially when there's less money coming from labels that the bands themselves needs to kind of have more of an entrepreneurial kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're running, you're running your own business essentially. Yeah. Yeah. You really are. Yeah. And the cliche about, you know, musicians being lazy and kind of, you know, wake up at, you know, four in the afternoon, roll into a gig, you know, probably not going to work uh, to, to keep the longevity going. Right. Yeah. I have a feeling that that worked better when, when there was just more money in the industry for labels to invest and they could just kind of take care of you. And now the label's like, if you're not taking care of yourself, they're out. You know, they're not going <laughs> right, to... Right, right. We're not going to bankroll, yeah. Exactly. So if you're looking at a crystal ball, like, what does the future look like for you? Well, at a certain point, I think we all decided that we're lifers. So we kind of uh, don't think about any plan Bs or anything like that. So I think we're just going to keep on uh, pedaling. We're, uh, we're, we're writing again now that our first album's out. We're writing a bunch more, getting ready for the next one. And uh, we're touring nonstop, and it's, it always feels like uh, forward motion. So that's kind of what it is, I think, do you at least take, in the foreseeable future. Do you take a lot of the, the songs that you wrote before, like the 100 songs or so, uh, and kind of keep them in your back pocket? Like, hey, you know, I might keep this one later on? Yeah, I definitely have some that, are, that I think of being back pocket songs where i'm like you know one day this is going to be on an album we could definitely have those to draw on right but right. we're definitely gonna write a ton of new ones you know write a bunch of new ones and just decide kind of as objective as you can what's best for this album whether it be old or new right right so last question, last question I have for you. Uh, yeah. Just talk about a little bit about your struggles that you had, like in Brooklyn. I kind of read that, um, and that you just kind of you locked yourself away and started writing songs, you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. I um, I just been doing the band thing in Brooklyn for a while and working in a bar, and I would work like four days a week, four nights a week, bartending, and then be off the weekend pretty much a long weekend to work on music at a certain point i realized i wasn't really moving fast enough and i just just realized that the only way i could work just one day a week is if i just lived in the practice space and it was going to be temporary it ended up being really good for me because i was just writing all the time and really immersing and i felt really kind of figuring it out for the first time so it was like the kind of like the golden handcuffs and i just kind of stuck with that until we were eventually just touring all the time. 
All right, so check out The Dreamers' new album. It's called This Album Does Not Exist on iTunes. They're a great band doing some really cool things, and the track that we've been playing on the podcast is called Sweet Disaster. Drifting like it's 1974, dressing like the Rolling Stones. Hey ho, let's go get some more like young Ramones. Some nights feel like every night, this one feels brand new. Only got bad things on my mind when 